You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thursday already, like a shot. It was just seven days ago we had four inches of snow on this on the uh, on the ground in Tucson, Arizona. You're correct, sir. And now I was, you know, out walking around in my just my speedo yesterday in Oral Valley. It was so hot. So okay, yeah, absolutely. Be free with yourself. That's right, as we like to say. Uh, good morning, Matthew. Your, your day may have gone better than the uh, NEU Lumberjacks day. Well. Um, they both were in a championship game, the women's team at 3 o'clock and the men at 9.30, and they lost both games. So, and well, any, They made it to the championship. And the NAU women's was the top seed in the Big Sky. They lost to number three, whatever, you know, Eastern Idaho, Washington, Bobcat Grizzly. Someplace with Big Sky. Correct. Yeah. Correct, correct, correct. And then the, then the guys lost. Again, the guys were uh, underdog this entire thing, this entire tournament. Oh, Yeah. A twelve and twenty-two record going into that game, I believe. When they won that semifinal game, the guy went. They've been, they've gone from floor mat to possible champions, right? So, good ride, Jacks, and uh, go back and take your four diversity uh, your diversity inclusivity uh, classes uh, at six thousand uh, dollars total to uh, do something. Um, we have no Larson today. He's on vacation. Okay. And his lack of dedication to the show to not calling from his vacation spot is disgusting, but I'd let it go. Uh, I'd say applaudable, but uh, different strokes for different folks. I couldn't ask for the the guy who likes to sniff girls' hair, who has been in office longer than Juan Siscomani's been alive. Much longer. To write an op-ed on how he's going to save Medicare and Social Security. And then I have a guy named Congress Schweik- Congressman Schweikert at 707. Because so, the rich people. Of course. Over 400 Gs, you're going to pay what? They're gonna, as, as we, how many hundred thousands of dollars a month is his son being paid to for influence? I mean, to do He was getting 167000 a month. So in 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 the article it says so Medicare is Hunter's if, fault. Is if that you're, you're making four hundred thousand dollars a year, but not if your income comes from um, um, Ukraine, a Ukrainian energy company, that's yeah. that's excluded that's, from that's the, the extra tax. That's you know what out. I love about the four hundred thousand dollar a year that permeates all of Biden's uh, all of Biden's uh, delineation between rich and not rich. What's that, sir? Any idea how much the president of the United States makes? Is it four? Correct. Four hundred. You are correct, sir. Look at it. He's Love just it. Un- just under the threshold. It's four hundred one. It's going to be four hundred one thousand plus. It's part of the working poor. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, who's this guy on at eight oh seven? The the Hans guy. What's his name again, Matt? How do you say that name? Hans von Spakowski. <laughs> Hans is making his. Um, is triumphant return to wake up Tucson works for the Heritage Foundation, and he's an election election integrity masochist, senior election integrity masochist. Uh, thank you very much. So, uh, can't wait to catch up with Hans von Spakowski, and then Monday I think is Ostevanen from the Godwater Univ- uh, Institute. The Institute. 
So um, very, very fun. And tomorrow will be an amazingly fun movie. Uh, so uh, I'll give Bunker his heads up. Top 10 movies that have Charles Durning in it, believe it or not. Matt's, Mark's going into this character actor thing like he did with... He's doing uh, cranky uh, old guys like Wilford Brimley, but uh, Charles Durning coming up uh, tomorrow. Two Food Fridays. I, I knew. By the way, I knew... I knew the Purim movie was just a head fake. It the was. top 10 Purim movies. It's true. I talked to him later that day, and I told him how disappointed I was that we couldn't, that he wasn't going to do that. Or actually, I don't think it's actually impossible. Um, so anyway, Mark's doing that. And then two food Fridays, we have uh, Fatima. Adios, Margarita. Hello, Pisco Sour. Uh, from Inca's Peruvian will be here at 707. And then at 8.07, uh, because the next weekend is uh, St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day, um, we make the, uh, the the Zeppeli, the San Giuseppe Zeppeli. We're going to talk St. Joseph's pastry with the boys and girls from uh, Vero's Italian Bakery. So nothing, nothing wrong with that. And I will tell you, uh, we've talked about this in the past, Kent from the Sausage Shop, I gave him a challenge years ago. And he stepped up to the challenge, which is the corned beef and cabbage brat. And it's smoked, so it's already cooked. All you got to do is grill it off. It's amazing. But it's not just... He hasn't, he's not making 80 tons of it and having it sit for you. You have to order it. So call up Kent at the Sausage Shop. Get that. You can do it with some, some good roasted red taters if you want to do it that. Of course, you can do it on a bun. And do it, go right over the top, right? And do your um, do your sauerkraut on there. You can even throw, if you want to throw a little Thousand Island, and it, then it becomes like a becomes like a Reuben brat at that point. A Reuben brat. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. So one of my things I'm doing next week with my D&D crew coming into town, it was a dream that I had at Rito Racetrack. I haven't made it happen yet. Is we're going to take, I'm going to make some good hot dogs on opening night. Some good, like a Hebrew National Sabret, one of a good dog. We don't we don't do John Morrell weenies at D Simone's house, okay? We don't do that crap, okay? Then we're gonna take. I'm gonna get birria from Juan at El Taco Rustico, and we're gonna do Quesa birria hot dogs for opening night of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my! It'll be bellissimo. Uh, Michelle at. Flying Aprons has told me that Matt and I's overnight oats cooking class has is, is sold out. I thought you were going to say it was canceled due to complete lack of interest. No, no, we're sold out. People wow. can't wait to learn how to make overnight oats. Wow. It's and a it's a complicated thing. It is very complicated. How did you do that again? I, I you know, I don't want to give away the secret That's sauce. That's true. Too you don't want to give away everything. Because then you won't go to the class if we tell you how to make it. Matt, I, was, I, I tried to make it yesterday and I, I got lost. I, I started mounting the volute and I just, that was it. I just, everything fell apart. So that's why. I, yeah. I, we're going to need to have a study session before correct. to make sure. Correct. So we're, we, we, Matt sent me, he made a little clip of all the overnight oats jokes we made yesterday. And remember, the story is. There's a dude up in Tempe who has an overnight oats overnight oats business that he just got another round of venture capital to support his expansion of $20 million. Where we can't find anyone down here to get venture capital for $20,000. I'm still here. just mildly amused. 
Yes. This guy made a business that capitalizes on humans' innate laziness, right? Which is right. He will make something Tony for you Ford, that you can easily make yourself. Tony Ford has told us, right, solve somebody's pain. Right. Right. That's how a new business, that's how a new idea, you're, are you solving someone's Investors pain? Investors beat a path to his door with 20 million bucks. Meanwhile, 15 mil here for a balloon company that the taxpayers Correct. had to beat a path to their door. Correct. Alan, uh, one of our one of our listeners said, uh, "Don't forget the brioche buns." It's true. I would do the you know do those bolillo buns that they would do a uh, a, Sonor, a, a Sonoran hot dog on. So that would actually he's right. It's worth going down to La Estrella and getting the uh, the bolillo buns for hot dogs. I would do that. So <laughs> Betsy, I thought your dream was to take the D and D crew to the Mini Time Museum. I can make that happen. She is a one joke. She she is a one note Janie. This one with her mini time museum. Holy! You get have a very small dungeon and dragon <laughs> and very small uh, dice. Your hit dice they is that what it's called? Uh, uh, hit dice is different. Okay. All right, but just the, just the dice. That's all. Nice. You can have very small dodecahedron <laughs> dices. Die. I was. Um, Sometimes, again, Facebook memories come up of things posted in the past. And one of the ones that came up was something that we posted, which was a big, bigger story when we first started, was Joe and I were figuring out when, what was, let let, let me use a Zach Zienser uh, term here. What was really Tucson's economic tipping point? And it's still, to this day, came up me posting about it. It was the From the Vault from Arizona Public Media, which you can't play the video anymore. I feel like uh, the, the, someone doesn't want to play it anymore. But um, it's the day IBM left town. And I remember, I, I found the original uh, AP article from 1988 and it, and it talks about how the big the big story is IBM consolidating operations in a six hundred million dollar cost cutting move. But they were they killed according to this three thousand jobs in Tucson, Arizona. And as we said before, from John Strobeck, who worked on Tim Tim little Timmy, turn away from the TV because uh, from the radio because this always hurts your little brain. He even wrote an article trying to complain that John Strobeck, who worked at Raytheon, was wrong. Sorry, at IBM was wrong about this. And, of course, no one believes little Timmy. The They were going to move their San Jose operations at that point. Close down San Jose and move it to Arizona because they were getting sick of what was going on in San Jose. But that day... We knew Tucson in the early 80s. We've heard this from Hank Amos and other people that Tucson was the city, not Phoenix, that things were kind of happening. So what I decided to do was the year was 1988. It's not the greatest year for tunes, but I wanted to bring I I went to the top top 100 of what was being uh, played that year. So the playlist is 1988. This is the year that Tucson's economy started to die. And I want to talk about, when we come back, just a little history lesson of what we thought we we started, like, 
the people who were killing the place now thought they needed to be the ones to save it by doing various things with your money that none of it ever worked out. And it got worse. Wow. Thank you, uh, DeForest Kelly. Here we go. 1988 Time Warp. Uh, doing a little retrospective look at 1988, which uh, <clears throat> a lot of folks uh, believe uh, the um, it's where Tucson's. Uh, that was the uh, the old the old tipping point of Tucson's economic downfall. IBM blows out, and it changes the whole dynamic of Tucson, Arizona. At the same time, we had the election of various folks and the hiring of various folks, right? So Tom Volge was the mayor of Tucson who was an absolute train wreck. Absolute train wreck. And then you had the Grijalva Ekstrom ascendancy. Huckleberry gets hired, right? And the county just starts slipping and slipping and slipping. Chuck decides that we're going to have an overall policy that we don't take care of our stuff. And it'll hit you 20 years later for more money to fix the stuff that he basically, Ekstrom, Grijalva, and any of their successors let fall down the toilet. Pima County Jail. Jail, wastewater treatment plant, animal shelter. Roads. Roads, right? Think Think about the animal shelter. They let that place go for so long, right? And they still had a system of a stream of water that would go through the kennel area where animals were getting sick because, you know, it's like the same area where they're going to the bathroom nearby, right? I mean, so this thing of not taking care of assets started happening. And what happened was then they thought they could tinker economically instead of just doing the right job and but it all starts with 1988 right because the place was rocking real estate wise having a a growing vibrant fortune 500 company like ibm here was a big thing and we've had flashes of this NIMBY, not-in-my-backyard crap even before this, right? That goes back to the 70s, and that's really, that was the big, I mean, that's been the big driving force in Tucson for so long is the no-growthers. They've stirred the drink here, and they've got, sadly, they got what they wanted. You know, that's that's the bad part. And, and, and they did. They, they, they got the paradise they voted for, and by paradise... I mean the opposite. And unfortunately, now we got what they wanted, too. This is about the time I moved to Tucson. I remember I remember my mom saying, I don't know, it was like eight, ten years ago. She goes, we're so sorry we came here because she goes, we didn't know it was going to be such a bad place politically. Like, well, how would you know? Right? You didn't know. You know, it was a beautiful place to move to. Right? Things like they had their crap together. And we just, we just, it, that was the start of Tucson's business. Uh, the private sector started failing. And then we had Don Diamond come on board, right, in relation to largest landowner. And Don, as a Republican, figured out 
to make business better for himself. He's going to be the money side of the Pima Democrat Party. Right? So he would get rezones that he needed to get done. He would get cashed out with open uh, open space bonds, right? But IBM, this is it. This is this is the moment. 1988. And we've been doing a slow death since 1988. That's that's the sad part. It's just been a slow. Joe and I used to say, "Remember the uh, you slowly boil the frog. You don't throw the frog in the in the hot boiling water already." It's kind of where we're at. Let's go to Liz before we get down to the bottom of the hour. Liz, good morning, young lady. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. I just wanted to make a comment on what you're talking about. <clears throat> I've lived here my whole life, and I remember that. Um, and forgive me if I'm wrong because things are a little shady, but they wanted to build another road that moved east-west or something like that, and the Canyon Ranch people didn't want that. And I remember the conversation being, we don't want to be like Phoenix. We want to stay small town. We want to stay quaint. We want to not be that big concrete jungle like Phoenix. Well, look at what we've got. We can't get anywhere in Tucson. We have to take surface streets everywhere. The traffic is horrific because we have to take service streets. We have so many people here, we can't expand anymore because of the people who were NIMBY and wanted to stay small town and didn't want to look like Phoenix. And that's exactly what happened. You're exactly right. That And, and so and we've said it for years, right, Liz, is that a strategy for your town to grow, your region to grow, shouldn't be 100% or not Phoenix. And that's been the overriding, that's been the true overriding dynamic of Tucson is we're not that. So. I I agree, but what do we do at this point? We're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck. Yep. Right? You got got seven Democrats on the the city council who think everything is just ducky. So here's yeah. here's my question real quick. Let's say Tucson goes bankrupt, everything goes to hell. What's the percentage that all seven get reelected the next time they're up? 100%. There you go. So, sorry. Yeah. Stay safe out there, young Thank lady. Thank you. All right, little Tracy Chapman. All right. The uh, guy who took his, uh, took his uh, nickname from uh, the denizens of Sullivan Steakhouse... John Cougar Mellencamp, 634 in the morning. It's a Bam. <laughs> Zinger. <laughs> <sighs> the, um, uh, we we're, were talking about, someone mentioned the, uh, cattle, uh, the Snyder Road extension over, and Lori was saying that was something Bob Beaudry was not a big fan of. Right, I'm sure Bob had a house up. There's a few people. Canyon Ranch. Um, I don't know if Canyon Ranch. It was really the the homeowners over there. I know a few people with houses over there that were part of that whole thing. Uh, my buddy Jim up in Oro Valley. Can a person run for council with Let's focus on infrastructure and fix what we have. You would hope, my friend. You would hope. The. Um, the uh, we're, we're talking about 1988. It's the year Tucson's economy started to die with the move out of IBM out of Tucson. 
and it also killed a whole other wave of growth that was coming. And again, a company like IBM will, as they're growing, will attract other real companies to be here also. So it just killed all of that. And we, we've never recovered. And we've never recovered because it, that, that, was, that was accompanied by all the wrong people in all the wrong seats. You can't have a more critical mass of horrible people serving in elected positions in Pima County and Tucson than we've had for the last 30 years. We've just had it all. We've, we, we've had, and again, they're all either actual or spiritual descendants of Dan Ekstrom and Raul Grijalva. Those, th- those two guys, along with Chuck Huckleberry, are the three main reasons why Pima County, the Tucson region, sucks so bad. It's, it, it, and, and Grijalva, I mean, think about that. I mean, that guy's, everything he touches is poison, right? He does... He started at TUSD, then Pima County, and then a congressman. And this, the, his lefty vision has screwed over the working poor and the Hispanics of Southern Arizona for 30 years. TUSD's horrible 16% of the kids can read at level starts with Raul Grijalva. Do you want to talk about a barnacles on a ship, barnacles of deficiency, deficiencies growing up on a ship? It's TUSD. And think about this. I've gone from Raul Grijalva to Adelita Grijalva to now Jennifer Ekstrom at TUSD. Right? That's 30 years of absolute horrible leadership. So that's why we're celebrating 1988. And I wanted to play that from the vault video from Arizona Public Media, but they, they took it down. Like, the, the page is there, but the video says video taken down or not available, which sucks because you get to hear Tom Volge go, it's not our fault. We're great. And then they, they, they convened a meeting of people who are going to try to figure out how Tucson's going to figure this out, and one of the people was Dan Ekstrom in that video. Let's go back to the phone, 790-2040. Brushfire, jo- uh, Sean, peace and love to you. How are you doing? Peace and, lo- peace and love to all. Um, you're leaving another keystone out. And, and good morning, everybody, from, from Dewey. Um, next door to IBM, I came here in 89. Yep. And next door to IBM, just north towards the tracks, there's this giant, huge building there that says Global Solar. They're owned by the Chinese, and that used to be 3M tape drive. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing had a massive presence in town when I came here. Do you remember that? I do not. I just got here in '88, and I okay. was I was still a I was still a you know senior in high school, freshman in college, so not paying attention to any anything important like that. Oh, it was it was huge. And IBM when I came here, that was I was when I went over to Mid State. That was some of our first job. We were just clearing out IBM. We were taking the last of all the process equipment out of there. And I didn't realize how big I, I mean, now that I've been all through that plant, people in Tucson don't know that is the biggest 
infrastructure project ever in Pima County is IBM. Number two is Duval Mine. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm a ground hand. I know you are. That, that, I got, plan, that, is in, that, that plan is incredible. Sh- IBM, that is, the, that is the most incredible plan I've ever seen in my life. And I've been to some big ones in Phoenix, and this, this IBM plan is massive. And now it's just a hodgepodge of I, or University of Arizona. And a lot of startups in there, a lot of good businesses in there. I mean, Raytheon's got a big presence there. They're keeping, keeping the place down. But the 3M tape drive thing is just sitting there shuttered. When they, nothing going on when they talk about that tech park, I remember years ago it was John Grabo ran that place and a couple other people, and they would talk about, hey, we're 97% full and blah, blah, blah. Well, mostly of that was a ch- huge chunk of that was Raytheon, right? It wasn't this startup dream there's big, thing. There's a, big, there's a big Raytheon presence out there. And I mean, they've, the, got, they've got 40% of it right now. And we talk about all the startups or incubators or whatever, right? Well, where's, where's, where's the beef? Where's where's the payoff on these, right? Because I think what's happening is the ones that have been successful possibly are going to other. They're not doing. They're not staying here. There's been a lot of that. I mean, I spent thirty years moving companies out of this town. I mean, there's been some come in, but most of them didn't make it. Okay. And they just couldn't put up with the with the. Uh, and, and I hate to say political crap, but just the non-caring that the business is here and employs five hundred people. You know that's a big deal. That's a lot of that's a lot of numbers on paper. And all those all those houses that were being bought, they drove up the real estate market unbelievably. And this is where we're at. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one other math problem that I saw when it happened here, and now it's happened all over the country. But they put those impact fees in. Remember that was back in the. I think it was about the late nineties. They put in like a $3,500 impact fee on every house in Pima County. And they said, Oh, development's going to pay for themselves. And we'll put 7,000 roads on 7,000 homes on Houghton road and not fix the road that was supposed to be fixed in 2000. So I'm glad still two lanes by my house. I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, because that brings up another important dynamic from the Grijalva Ekstrom, uh, cartel. The what they would do is those they would pound those houses being built in districts one and four, right? Where Steve is now, and uh, you know, we're up on my side of town. Yeah, that was was, Ray Carroll. Yeah, Ray was where Steve was, and Ray didn't care because Ray was part of the cabal himself. But what was happening is they were pounding those builders in those areas for impact fees, and then they were not. As you, you're so right. I'm so glad you said the part about not reinvesting. Like when you say the the houses on Houghton Road, is so. When I was on the district, oh, I was Allie's appointee on the Pima County Transportation Advisory Committee, and we got a report on the conditions of all the roads in Pima County. And we, we Joe and I always talked about this, right? They were pounding one and four and putting the money into other crap projects in the other three districts. And what was it? What hit me was District One had the worst roads of any district, any of them, any of them. Like unbelievably, when you look at the red where the roads are like really poor, bad, it's all in District One. And we, of course, were the number one tax source as a percentage of total budget came from District One. So and then District Four, and then District Four was right behind us. 
Yep. So, but so most of the money, like sixty percent of the revenue for Pima County, comes from one and four. And, and they get nothing. And then politically, that what they would say is, look, we're just we're just soaking the rich gringos who are raping the desert, and we're going to do stuff like invest two hundred million dollars on Ajo and Country Club that produced no wealth, no uh, no no vibrant economy for anyone down here. You're talking about that soccer park? Well, the, the, the soccer park, but the baseball field in the end was a joke, right? Because we couldn't yep. keep spring training. Then we have what's yep. across. I mean, we, we've, we've blown a quarter of a billion at Ajo and Country Club. We built, that soccer, oh, yeah. we, we built that soccer stadium for FC Tucson, which was so lightly used that the guy who owns FC Tucson converted the team back into an amateur team where they don't play the, play, pay the players anymore because... They can't make money over there because Huckleberry, the original deal, the county gets all the most of the vending money, and that's where the money's to be had is selling beer. Oh yeah, definitely. So, if I were in the business, great business model. But you, they become they become addicted to this to this impact fee money. You know, you don't want any growth up here right now. I'm talking to some builders up here. Soft costs right now are running fourteen thousand dollars a house. And when I say soft costs, that's what you pay the government. All the permits, you know, $30 per electrical outlet and, you know, $20 per plumbing outlet and $30 for every connection under the concrete and stuff. It's ridiculous. But they're so addicted to the money now, they can't not have another 700 home development two miles north of me. I mean, I'm down in the middle of nowhere, and they are clearing land. They've got scrapers and dozers. They are burning through land up here as fast as they can because they need that money. The county needs the money. The builders need the money. And unfortunately, a lot of people from California don't want to live there anymore. They're coming here. They're ruining this place. I was When we were talking about companies, Sean, that moved away from Tucson, like startups, and I was thinking of this one with the headphones. I, I found it while we were talking. And this is from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Now think about this headline. This is the headline from the San Diego Union-Tribune. The, the company's called JLab, and they were a startup in Tucson. This is the actual headline. J this is from 2012. J Lab moves from Tucson to Oceanside to hire talented workers. Oh no. That's the actual headline. So literally Tucson's a bunch of dumbasses and we're getting out. So it says J Lab LLC, maker of headphones and earbuds, recently moved its from its digs in Tucson to offices in Oceanside to tap the active lifestyle of San Diego County and a larger base of workers. As we grew, we wanted to hire a deeper talent pool, said CEO founder Josh Rosenfield, 35 years old. It wasn't hard to convince our board to move from Tucson. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> so, I'm just telling you that's an example of one that public. How many quietly moved out of Tucson? Weiserlock, Echo, Swingline, uh, McCullough Chainsaws. Um, oh, that big one we took up to King. Yeah, that was that was McCullough, and then uh, Rubbermaid. Rubbermaid used to have a big presence down at Kolb and uh, Valencia. They're gone. You rem- a massive place down here. You remember when Bob Walkup got all excited about the Slim Fast plant? 
Oh, no. Oh, no. What a boondoggle. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, hey, at least we have a bean factory. You do know, we, you got to give two sons. Do we still have we that? Have the La Castagna place? Yes. Yes, sir. Wow, yeah, I never heard anything out of those guys. I haven't heard a word from them. They did a they did an in, indoor uh, upgrade in there about nine months ago. I, I didn't get in on it, but they did they did some upgrades inside there because some of the plant equipment is pretty old right now. But yeah, they did some upgrades inside there. And La Castagna yeah, is a huge company. Huge company. It's massive. It's massive. Yeah, I don't hear anything about those guys. I've I've only done a couple small jobs in there. I haven't done big jobs, just small like little rehab, electrical rehabs and stuff like that. But yeah, they're a big company. They they process a lot, a lot of stuff going on there. Not Sean, a lot of employees, but a lot of stuff goes on. Thanks for your contributions this morning, my man. I appreciate it. Another beautiful day in uh, North Central Arizona. I keep being reminded by Umpire John, you're not in Northern Arizona. Well, well it's close enough. It's. Any, anything north of uh, Anthem is northern Arizona for me. That's what I call it. Once you come through that construction job, one of the days, if you get somebody on, if somebody can find out, I want to know how much this construction job is north of uh, Black River. It's oh, got to be the biggest construction job in Arizona's history. Uh, I mean, for the, the amount of dirt that they got to move between Phoenix and Prescott, uh, Cordes Junction to do that project, it's crazy. It wouldn't be bad if it was dirt. The problem is it's 100% rock. Yep. The entire job is drill and blast. And it's got, this must be six, seven, eight years. I, I can't believe it. I've never seen as much equipment on one job since I've been here. It's going to be a hoot and a holler. All right, my friend, i got to get going to break. So thanks for, keep, stay safe keep, out there. Keep the faith, brothers. You guys have a great day. Oh, piano in the dark. I forgot about this one. 1988. The tipping point of Tucson's economic demise. The day, the year that IBM blew out of Tucson. Wake up, Tucson. 10 of the voice. Local news and talk. All right. We're celebrating 1988, the year that uh, IBM blew out of Tucson, and the wheels really started coming off this, uh, this community. Um, friend of the show, former city councilwoman, Miss Dunbar, messaged me. It started in the late 70s when Motorola wanted to build a plant. <laughs> 1970. 1970, Chris. My birth year. Orange Grove and uh, Shannon, if I recall correctly. Correct. She said Northwest Neighborhoods planned for a freeway in the Rito River. NIMBY stopped it. Um, so that was the other thing she said. And so you, br- so in the old days. Before- first time I was on. Was that your first time you were first on your brother? First time, yep. This man, Matt Neely, Eastside Matt. As well, we that was the talk. second. The first time we, we broached the subject, we were talking about Roy Drockman's book. That's and true. that was one of the one of the key events in Tucson history. Matt actually hit the microfiche and found these newspaper articles with all of the, it was classic Tucson nimbyism. On display. So, Trio at the time, or uh, whatever they called now, they were called Date D A T E, and oh, I can't recall what the uh, uh, what the call what what the acronym was. And you know, they made the pleas in the paper, advertisements, editorials, and then the letters. I'll never forget the one letter. It came from a guy over at Twenty Second and Wilmot, and he was complaining about all the whatever. I don't remember the word he used. Jalopies. Jalopies, people driving there. I don't remember how he described them, but all the people from the 
uh, from the south side, quote, driving their jalopies up to the northwest side. This is a guy who wrote a letter. This is back when they used to put your address in the paper. He lived at 22nd and 1. What what could he possibly care about people driving from the south that's, side but that, that, right to northwest that's a 50 Tucson? Year, that's a 50-year tradition of Tucson, 50, Yes, right, of the classic... No, no growth, or I keep coming back to it. But the NIMBY that they want no growth, and it has nothing to do with where they live. I'll never forget um, when Rick Sturtz was on the parking commission for Parkwise Tucson, and there was that, I, I keep saying it, the SUV that parked a little too outside of their little uh, parallel parking and it blocked the streetcar. And there was some guy going nuts on the parking commission based on w- there should be no parallel parking downtown. Get rid of all those spots. And I remember... Rick's like, excuse me, sir, where do you, where do you where do you live? He's like, oh, I'm on 22nd and Kolb. He's like, why do you care? Well, what's I mean, the guy was like really adamant that I mean that's been going on forever, right? Forever. 1970, and it, I think it was a three member planning commission voted no, and the people on the board said, oh, it's it's okay, Motorola, we'll just we'll we'll uh, override them at the board of supervisors meeting, and Motorola said. <sighs> The in twenty eight seventy point font on the paper, we're we're not going to go where we're not wanted, and they immediately shifted over to Austin. And I think that's the early echoes of this, right? But IBM to me is still the the oh, right over the apex and gone. What's the uh, remember we we could even keep the um, up on the foothills there the Jerry Lewis people MDA MDA we could even keep them over there. Up with people didn't they leave? Up with people left. Um, MDA left. What was the company that was at that office building next to the Viscount? That used to be like a real business in there too. Remember the office building that's sure. right there? That's another one that was like a real business that didn't want to stay here either. So, uh, holidays today, there's only there's th- the most important. It's National Meatball Day. This is a very important to me and Lara, of course. And last year I did teach a meatball class with uh, flying aprons. And it's probably one of the greatest comfort foods ever created on the planet Earth is meatballs. And to me, in the end, the ultimate meatball is, you know, you get a good ground beef. But I do like half ground beef and then taking sausage out of Italian, out of the casing of a good Italian sausage from a Kent or whatever and then mixing that all together into a pork beef combo for a meatball probably is my favorite. So, all right, when U.S. Congressman David Schweikert comes on, we will talk about Joe Biden's plan to save Social Security and Medicare. (laughs) I'll also ask David if congressman swikers ever sniffed his hair when he comes he got back. the idea from an aoc dress i think <laughs> thank you <laughs> inspiration there's a big scandal there wake up tucson 10 30 the voice local news and talk